welcome to Roadside, where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. Hello! Hello! Hello and welcome to Roadside. I'm Abigail. And I'm Janica. And uh, today we have a very spooky episode. Mm, Do we? We do. And it's the day after Halloween. It's All Saints Day. It is All Saints Day. Perfect opportunity. All righty. But first of all, how you doing, Mama? Oh, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I don't want to hear about you, Mom. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But you know what I do want to tell you about? What? I want to tell you about our bonus episode. Okay. Tell me all about it, Mom. I have no idea what it is. Never <laughs> heard of it before. Shut up. I've got no clue. <laughs> we just recorded the bonus episode. <laughs> yes, and I want our patrons, well, I want our future patrons and our patrons to know that we just did the deadliest place on earth. We did. We did. And it was fascinating. Just for our and patrons. And also terrifying. Yes. Um, also so terrifying. if you would like to be a patron and get our bonus episodes. Hop on over to our website, baby. Roadsidepodcast.com. Or you can go to patreon.com slash roadside. Or you could do that, what she said. Yep, you can. And you, cool. can, uh, you can do get that. our bonuses. We got some cool ones. I think so. All right. What do you have for us today? I need to know. What's so spooky? Today, we are disgust- disgusting. Disgusting. We are not <laughs> disgusting. 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 Today, we are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I took a shower today. I am not disgusting. Oh, I trust you, Mom. Yesterday, I was disgusting. You've never been disgusting. You've never been disgusting, Mom. Never. never. Well, after trick-or-treating, I did feel disgusting because I smelled like a yeah, fire. And it was... That'll do it. You, know, you just get that fire smell. Yeah, and then your hair smells like smoke. Yes. So I took a shower. smell like smoke if you don't shower. So I am not disgusting today. Okay, cool. I believe in you. But I would like today to know what we're discussing. Discussing today. <laughs> is the Amityville Horror House. Oh, fuck. Really? Yeah. Yay, I mean. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So the Amityville Horror House is located in Amityville, New York. Okay. Um, And I'm going to get into the details of what actually happened because the movie franchises are very exaggerating. And so is the fans. So... I haven't I have. either, but I've read a lot about them. Okay. I'm not a horror movie fan, really. I'm not either. But I love to hear about the the crimes. And this was based on a real event that happened. I didn't even know that was based on a real event, honestly. It is. Hmm. Um, it is based on a true and terrible and terrifying event. But a lot of, obviously, the movie, it's, you know exaggerated for hollywood and right yeah i'm gonna try to give the best accurate most accurate opinion that i could find on what actually happened so like i said amityville new york um i'm not going to give you the address on here because it's now a private residence oh okay and the address is is not a secret i mean you could you could easily find it if you really wanted to but the owners and the local police urge people not to visit 
um, no. because it's a nuisance. Yeah. Well, let's not give it away then. People who visit the house are uh, not very respectful. Haven't been in the oh, past. God, why do people do that shit? I don't know, because they're stupid. Yeah. The story of the house became popularized by the Amityville horror film series, which started in 1979, only five years after the incident took place, mm, which I think okay. is insane. Yeah. Five years after really... this terrible, horrible thing happens that we will get into. Okay. Like I said, the details have, like, if you read a random news article, it's going to exaggerate it so much. I had to do so much digging in order to find what really happened. I found a lot of old news articles, which were great. And a website also that I am going to pull up because they did a really, really good job. They have, like, everything detailed and archived. It was something super... AmityvilleFAQ.com. Okay. It's, there's a whole shit ton of information. If you want to know more about this, that's the place to go. Alrighty. So I will do my best. The house itself, the property that the house stands on, was originally owned by the Ireland family. Way, way, way back when, when America was just becoming a thing. Okay. And they used the land for farming. But at some point, the land was divvied up, and that plot was sold to John and Catherine Moynihan, who hired a local builder named Jesse Purdy to build the house that would later become infamous. The house was finished in 1924, and the Moynihans lived a very long and happy life in the house. The house was five bedrooms, four bathrooms, three stories, and 4,100 square feet. Wow. Very nice house. Yeah. So like I said, the Moynihans, very happy. They had a great time. John passed away in 1939, after being sick for a little while, and Catherine remained in the house until her death in 1960. And at that time, it was inherited by their daughter Eileen, who sold the house nine months later to the Riley family. The Riley family lived there for five years, got divorced, sold the house to the DeFeo family. The DeFeos moved from their very small Brooklyn apartment into the house in 1965, Ronald Sr. and his wife Louise wanted more space. They were expecting their fifth child. So they were like, we can't really live in this tiny-ass yeah. Brooklyn apartment anymore. Yeah. Their kids were Ronald Jr., who I'm going to call Ronnie. Okay. Don, Allison, Mark, and their soon-to-be son was going to be John. And like I said, for the sake of the story, Ronald Sr. is Ronald. Ronald Jr. is Ronnie. Okay. Ronald was super excited to be able to move his family into this house. It was big enough for all of them. It was away from the city. And he was so hopeful about the house that he named the house High Hopes. Aw, cute. And he hung a sign, a hand-painted sign, out on their front lawn that said High Hopes. Aw. It was very sweet. It is. From the outside, they looked like a very normal, happy Christian family. All the neighbors loved them. They got along well with the neighborhood families. They drove the neighborhoods to the neighborhood kids to school or work or whatever. Louise would make homemade pastries for all the neighbors. They'd go to church and they'd pray together. They'd travel and go on trips. It just seemed like they were always having a good time, at least out in front of other people. Yeah. Ronald was said to have a more abusive nature. Hmm. 
said to be very controlling. There was a lot of tension inside the house. And it was also believed that Ronald had connections with the mafia. Oh. And that's because he would openly boast about having connections to the mafia. What the fuck? And when he would get in arguments with people, he would threaten his mob connections. Smart. Super. Yeah. Uh, uh, Good job, buddy. And many people think that this is why they were super well off. Mm, they were okay. a lot more rich than their neighbors. I mean, it's a well well off area, definitely, right. but they had a lot more money. And Ronald worked at a car dealership and Louise did not have a job. Okay. So but they had this huge home, they built an in-ground pool, they built a dock at the lake nearby. They they it was pretty clear to everybody that they had a little bit more money. So yeah. That's where people think it came from. Okay. Now, Ronnie, Ronald Jr., was also struggling. He had a drug and alcohol problem. Mm. He would get into fights and arguments at the bar. People said he was really difficult to get along with. He was very angry. People also said he was very uh, gun-happy. Oh. They said, he's a gun-happy, money-flashing young man who enjoys the company of teenagers because he could easily gain their admiration and attention. He was 23 at this time. That's not good. No. So Ronnie and Ronald would get into fights pretty often. And one time during an argument with his father, Ronnie pulled out a gun and attempted to shoot Ronald. Oh my God. But the gun miraculously misfired and Ronald was not harmed. Well, that's good. And this was also in front of... The whole family. Oh, Jesus Christ. So there was, like I said, there was a lot of tension in the house. Everyone was kind of on edge. A lot of stuff was going on. And later on, after everything that happened, their housekeeper, who talked to news reporters, said that Louise would often have premonitions Hmm. and would tell the family that she thought some tragedy was going to happen to them. Oh. And she... Was not wrong. Mm. Around 6.30 p.m. on November 13th, 1974, Ronnie made his way very frantically sprinting to a local bar. He ran in and he began shouting, oh my God, someone's killed my parents. Come quick. Some of the customers who were friends of his went immediately to the DeFeo family with Ronnie. And they found not only his parents, but also his, all of his siblings shot to death in their Oh, beds. my God. I'm going to give you the ages of the kids. Okay. We're not going to talk a lot about the kids. Okay. Because I don't want to talk a lot about the kids. Okay. Ronald and Louise were both 43. Dawn was 18. Allison was 13. Aww. Mark was 12. And John was 9. Hmm. The parents were each shot twice, and each of the kids were shot once. Ronald was killed first, and then Louise, and then the others. Jesus. And something strange that the detectives noticed was the way that they were all found laying. Hmm. Each person was laying on their stomach with their face down and their hands above their head on the pillow before they had been shot. Okay. And they... They knew that they had been placed like that before they had been shot because of the way the bullet hole paths had occurred. 
they knew they hadn't been moved afterward. Okay. People rumored that the family had all been drugged because it seemed like nobody woke up when the first gunshots went off, Mm. which, you know, I mean, he shot his father first. You think that might wake up other people? Yeah, absolutely. But according to the autopsies, there were no drugs in any of their bodies. Hmm. Ronnie was immediately taken to the police station for protection because at this point, they had no idea who it was that had done it and they wanted to make sure, well, maybe this person's after the whole family. You know, Ronnie could be next. We got to make sure he's safe. Yeah. And the police started, of course, to question him about what he was doing that night and everything, what he knew about everything, just so they knew where to start. Yeah. Um, As soon as he opened his mouth, he became a suspect. (sighs) Okay. His story changed about a million times. First, he said it was a man named Tony Mazzio. Then he said it was a group of four people, but he only knew two of their names. Then he said, I did it all myself. Then he said he was woken up by gunshots, so he hid in the crawl space. He had no idea who did it. What? Then he said it was a man named Mr. Gennaro. Then he said it was his sister, Dawn. What? <laughs> That killed everybody. And then when he found out that Dawn killed everybody, he killed Dawn. What the f- And of course, the most famous version of the story and the premise of the movie was that he was watching a scary movie one night and he heard his family whispering and he thought they were plotting to kill him. And someone, he said someone with black painted hands handed him a gun. And he knew he had to kill them. And he said, I couldn't stop even if I wanted to. Felt like someone was inside moving my limbs. That, first of all, that's a lot of fucking stories, dude. Uh Uh-huh. Second of all, that's what- And there's more than that. That was just the basics. That's what the premise of the movie is? The premise is like that someone was, I think, someone was like possessed, killed his family, and then- the family that moved in afterward was haunted. Huh. And also, this is giving me uh, Velisca vibes. Yeah, definitely. It's it's weird. Okay. I'm invested. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So then he said it was Dawn and she did it all herself and she shot herself last, which with ballistics and stuff, it was just that obviously not true. Yeah. Ronnie was arrested right away. And tried on six counts of second-degree murder. Before the trial began, Ronnie went through three lawyers. Mm. Because he was so difficult to get along with. And the last one quit because he was actually assaulted by Ronnie. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way to get a good lawyer. Assault them. Oh, Oh, yeah. And during the whole trial, Ronnie continued to give contradicting statements one after another, including one where he said he heard the voice of God telling him he needed to kill his parents and his whole family, which, come on. Just just leave at that point. Like, what? Ronnie's lawyer, who he did eventually end up keeping, tried to convince the jury that Ronnie was legally insane and he needed help. But nobody was very convinced, and he was found guilty on all charges. And sentenced to six life terms and will likely never get out on parole because he has still continues to change his story, still blames it on other people, still shows absolutely no remorse. This man is still alive? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I thought this whole thing was like totally made up. I mean, I had no prompt. I had no idea what the even premise of the movie was. I can just like picture like the kind of the trailer cover or whatever, which always freaked me out enough. I didn't need to see anything else. Yeah. But Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So he's in jail and he'll, he'll be in jail forever. Basically. What's his last name? Uh, DeFeo, D-E, capital F-E-O. Ew, he's gross. Yeah, he's gross. I don't like him. Me neither. Ew, gross. Okay, go ahead. I know. So that was the crime. That was the bad thing that happened. Okay. Now we're going to get into what happened to the family that moved in after them. Mm, okay. So there really was something then. Potentially. Okay. So just a little bit over a year after the murders, a new family moved in. I don't know about you. I, yeah. But (laughs) I don't. Tear the fucking house down. I'm not moving into any house where a bunch of people were murdered in. Yeah. And to to this day, that house still stands and people are living in it. No, thank you. No, thank you. That's some so evil, evil, evil vibes there. I don't want to live there. We'll get there. Sorry, my voice we'll get is getting there. high. I'm, I'm, I'm having a moment. <laughs> Go ahead. It's okay. I get it. <laughs> so George and Kathy Lutz and their three kids moved in December 18th, 1975. Okay. So this was about a year and a month later. Ugh. They did know what happened inside the house. They knew everything. They were not very religious. They were not very superstitious. They didn't think anything was going to happen. You know, they were like, bad stuff happened here. We want to... They were very respectful of the family that had passed away. Okay. They were just like, you know, they didn't think anything was going to happen. Yeah. Um, Another weird thing, they kept most of the furniture no, thank you. That what? was in the house, including Dawn's bed frame. No. Nope. That she was killed in. Nope. No. That's weird. That is weird. That's weird. That's that's, that's really weird, guys. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't like it. So even though they were not very religious, they decided, because of all the stuff that had happened in the house, to have the house blessed by a priest, Father Ray. Well, at least they before did that. Before they moved in. Father Ray did the blessing, and he did not tell the family until later on, but during the blessing, he got a very, very bad, cold, eerie feeling. Mm, I bet he did. When he was in the sewing room, which had been John and Mark's room, the youngest two. But he didn't tell the family that, not until later. He said he didn't want to freak him out. He thought maybe he, it was, you know, he was overthinking it or something. <sighs> okay. According to them, they began experiencing paranormal activity within hours of moving in. Um, I'm going to give a slight trigger warning for... What was that? That was, I think, Ryan moving a chair or someone. Oh, I was like, things are moving in your house right now. You're freaking me out. I think it's people in the kitchen right there. <laughs> okay. Um, on the other side. It sounded like someone just moving a chair. Okay. Um, so a slight trigger warning for 
Um, harm to an animal, but not death of an animal. Okay. So within the first few hours of being there, the Lutzes chained their dog in the backyard for a little while. Okay. Just so they could get stuff moved in and, you know. And they came back after a while to check on him. And when they did, they found that he had tried to jump over the fence. Aww. But because his leash was so short, he was hanging from the fence. Aww. By his collar. And he was... There's a part of... There's something about that in the movie, I think, where... In the movie, I think, like, the dog hangs himself purposefully or something like that. But that is not what happened. Oh, okay. The dog did survive. He was perfectly fine. The family brushed it off. They were like, oh, okay, got to get him a longer leash or get him a shorter leash so he's not even close to the fence. Right. They were like, okay, just first day. Thanks. When the family got to the house and they started moving things up to the second floor, they... Walked up to the second floor, and there were hundreds and hundreds of pills all over the floor. Different kinds of pills. Weird. All different kinds of pills. And they had no idea, because, I mean, the realtor had been in there, they had been in there before to tour it, and all of a sudden they move in and there's hundreds of pills everywhere. Yeah, that's weird. Around Christmas time, a couple weeks later, they started to notice the noises. They heard scraping and banging and footsteps where there shouldn't be footsteps, doors slamming when the whole house was asleep. And Kathy, the wife, had an experience that she'd never had before. She was in the house alone, and she had the feeling of someone coming up and hugging her from behind. Mm, No, thank you. She said she smelled a very sweet, very cheap perfume, and then the feeling of a woman coming up behind her and holding her. Oh. She said she was absolutely terrified, but she said it didn't feel like a bad thing. It felt more like a comforting hug, she said, from one mother to another. Oh. I know. That is one of the few wholesome things that will happen. Also, she's like, that was very comforting and sweet, but... Dude, you got some cheap perfume. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Get yourself some better perfume. But in You had a lot me, of money and was... you were in that cheap perfume. Right? <laughs> but in my mind, that was like Louise giving her a hug saying, okay, prepare yourself. Mm, yeah, creepy. So George would remember being woken up in the middle of the night from a strange musical sound. Mm. coming from downstairs in the nighttime, and Kathy would sleep right through it, but he said it sounded like there was a whole marching band in the basement. Oh my gosh. He said it sounded like a marching band, but all of them were playing different songs, all very offbeat, all at the same time. Huh. So it sounded just like musical instruments going crazy. Yeah. And he would also hear like the marching of footsteps as well. Yeah. He also became obsessed with keeping the fireplace going. He said it never felt like the house got warm enough. They also began to have a problem with flies. Oh. Even though it was the middle of winter. Gross. I hate flies. You know how much I hate flies. So gross. They're like my mortal enemy. They said no matter how many flies they killed, double would be there the next day. Especially 
in the sewing room. Ew. One day, Danny, one of their sons, went up to the sewing room to close the window, and his parents downstairs suddenly heard him screaming. Hmm. They ran upstairs to find that his hands had been crushed by the window. Yeah. They said it was like very mangled. His hands were almost completely flat. Like oh. they were freaked out. And he said, they said they were about to leave for the hospital and they turned around and looked at him and his hands were fine. What the fuck? We'll get there. Oh, and let's not forget about the night Kathy turned into an old lady. <laughs> what? She was sleeping and George woke up suddenly turned around to see her and she was her but she was an old woman she had wrinkles and she had age spots and her hair was gray and she he woke her up and she looked in the mirror and she was like oh my god how did i get old and then this, a few hours later she was back to normal this is weird then they found a hidden room no Kathy was downstairs trying to move a bookshelf, and behind it was a small room that someone had painted a bright red. This room was not on the floor plans. And their normally very, very curious dog would not go near the room. Oh, nasty. He would not even. Mm -mm. Dog says no way. I'd be like, "Mm." yeah. Kathy began to have nightmares. She said she would dream about the bullets entering and exiting Louise's body. Oh my gosh. She said she dreamed about the events of the murders and knew which order they happened in, how each person was killed. And later on when they, after they had moved out and they met with Ronnie's lawyer, he was able to confirm all of these things. Wow. these things were not made public. Oh. You know, how, who was killed first and second and, mm-hmm. and how they were killed. It wasn't public. Okay. So she somehow knew all of those things and she was accurate with them. That's creepy. This is really creepy. Oh, God. Okay. They had a five-year-old daughter named Missy. <sighs> and she began to tell her parents about the angel that lived in her house. Oh, the angel's name was Jody, and they didn't really think a whole lot about it because their other kids had had imaginary friends when they were kids. So, you know, they were like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But then Missy began to talk a lot about Jody, and she said she was an angel, but she looked like a pig. Okay. And she could be as big or as small as she wanted to be. So she somehow knew she was an angel, but she shows up like a pig. Okay. And that is also something that comes to play in the movie. In the movie, there's like a pig with red eyes or something. I don't know. Huh. Missy told her parents that Jody said the Lutzes would live at that house forever. Mm. And one night, Kathy's brother uh, stayed at the house. And in the middle of the night, he was woken up with a very sickly looking boy sitting on the edge of his bed saying, mm-hmm. where's Missy and Jody? Mm-mm. No, thank you. They also started having trouble with calling Father Ray. Nobody else. Just Father Ray. Oh. 
They could call everybody else just fine, but anytime oh. they tried to call him, it would break up in static. And the same thing would happen when he would try to call them. Now, they had already had the priests bless the house before right. they moved in. But they felt like, oh, we might need to do some more. Ugh. We might need to do another extra blessing. You need a whole gang of priests and right? lots of other people right? there, too. So they went around to each of the rooms, reciting prayers and commanding the evil spirits to leave in the name of Jesus Christ and whatever. Yeah. And this is actually kind of funny to me. Probably wasn't funny in the moment. Okay. But during all of this, during the prayers and stuff, they heard a chorus of voices saying, will you stop? Oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, if I was in the moment, that'd be terrifying. But that's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, can you imagine the spirits just being like, dude, stop. Shut up. <laughs> Come on. That's funny. <sighs> so all this weird stuff was happening to them. And the family then started to act weird. Hmm. George did not go to work as often. Uh, he used to go, you know, five days a week. Now he was only going maybe two days a week. He was really moody. He was kind of angry. He had a general feeling of hopelessness. Aww. And every night he began waking up around 3 to 3.30, which is when the murders were said to have taken place. Ugh. Also... These murders were said to have taken place 3 a.m. Uh-huh. Um, at the beginning, if you remember, he did not run to the bar to tell people until 6.30 p.m. Oh, yeah. I didn't, or, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Anyways, so George was acting weird, waking up. He stopped eating. He stopped showering. He stopped taking care of himself. Kathy also... Didn't want to leave the house. She didn't want to go anywhere. She wasn't as social. She was really anxious. And it seemed like they just, they never wanted to leave the house. The kids never wanted to leave the house. They just wanted to stay home all the time. Mm. And then we come to their last night, which was wild. Mm. George said he woke up in the middle of the night hearing the, mismar the mismatched marching band. And it also, at the same time, sounded like, Every window and every door is being opened and then slammed shut over and over and over and over Jesus. again. Kathy was in a very, very deep sleep during all of this. He looked over and she was levitating off the bed. <gasps> oh, God. That would freak me levitating out. Levitating and moving sideways and oh. then going up the wall. <gasps> oh, my God. George said he tried to pull her down multiple times. He said before he got up, something got into the bed with them. Oh, no. Oh, God. He couldn't see it, but he could see the indents where its footsteps were. Oh, were God. feel its breath. No. No, God. No. The kids' beds no. upstairs oh, God. were being levitated <sighs> and then slammed back down. <gasps> and then levitated and then slammed back down. <sighs> and their dog, no. who was in the master bedroom with them, would wake up randomly, walk in a few circles, throw up, and then go back to sleep. Oh. Wake up, walk in circles, do the whole thing over again. <sighs> the next morning, they somehow contacted Father Ray and were like, dude, we had the weirdest night. What, like, what That's is going on? That's not weird. And That's he said, why are you still weird. in that house? No shit. He said, why are you there? 
And they were like, what do you mean? What do you mean? The house is fucking possessing them. They never even thought about leaving the house until that moment. Oh, Lord have mercy. After they left, they said it felt like the house didn't want them to leave. Yeah, I think so. Remember when they were about to leave to go to the hospital for the hands? Yeah. And then suddenly the hands are better. They don't have to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Even after they decided to leave, they said they still felt a really unnatural urge to just stay in the house. Oh, that is so creepy. Even originally, even when they left, they only planned to leave for a couple of days just to figure out what was going on. And then they would go back. That was their plan. Yeah, that's a very bad plan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they only took, you know, a couple days, outfits, whatever. Yeah. However, once they were out of the house, someone recommended to them, I don't know who, maybe a friend or something they had talked to, recommended that they started recording, tape recording their experiences, like just talking about their experiences. Oh, okay. And what had happened. And they said as they were doing that, as they were talking about it, the more distance they felt between them and the house and the more that they realized... This is not okay. Yeah. This is not normal. No. And they were like, we are not going back to that house. Good. Not even to get our stuff. We do not want our stuff. Nope. We will not set foot back in that house. Good. The only thing that they ended up taking back from the house, which they did not go back. Someone ended up getting it for them and bringing it to them, was an old wooden chest that George's grandfather had made or something like that. Did they take their dog? Oh, yeah. Okay. All of this stuff happened, right? Mm-hmm. All I just gave you so many examples. Yes. All and it seems like a lot. Yeah. How long do you think they were in the house for? Oh God, I don't know. I I mean, in my head, I was thinking they were there for probably like a year. They were there for twenty eight days, <sighs> and all this stuff happened. Oh my God! And in twenty eight days, they were. They were basically brainwashed by a house. Yeah. Well, not a house. Can you imagine? Like the spirits of the house. Right. Can you imagine what would have happened if they had stayed longer? No. Oh, my God. So they moved out to California. <clears throat> they moved as far away as they could get from New York. They said, we're going to California. I do not blame them. I don't either. I mean. They said... Even after they left, they felt the effects of the house for a while. They, you know, still felt the tension and the anxiety and they felt like things were kind of still not okay around them. And Kathy even continued to levitate. What? Twice more after leaving the house. That's insane. That Mm -hmm. is insane. And along with that feeling that followed them out of the house, Jody also followed the pig oh, angel. That's... Okay. Something's clearly attached to them. Right? Yeah. And they said the only thing that would get Jody to leave is Missy telling her, get the fuck out. Like, you need to leave. Oh. They, she wouldn't okay. listen to anybody else, only Missy, and then they never had any problems with her again. Okay. Well, that's good. 
So they felt, like I said, they felt the effects kind of lingering until when they were in California, they got help from an exorcist. Good. Who did like a, a cleansing ritual or whatever. And they said after that, they were fine. Nothing, nothing really happened. Good. (laughs) And then they continued to just live their life happily out in California. How weird, man. Oh my God. After the Lutzes moved out, another family moved in. A few different families actually uh, have lived in the house since the Lutzes moved out. And they all have their complaints about living there. Why? Why are they doing this? Although none of their complaints have anything to do with the paranormal. Really? And they have all to do with the disrespectful visitors at their house. Really? That's so weird. Nobody, nobody who's lived there since the Lutzes has had any paranormal experiences there. Wow. Which leads a lot of people to believe that the Lutzes made it all up. But why... Right? Really? Like a whole entire family just makes it up? And I mean... Yeah. There's a lot of controversy around it. These people had to have extended family and friends and stuff like that. Like, wouldn't they... Like, they had had a history before they ever moved. Right. I mean, I don't know them, so I I can't technically defend them. But, like, that seems far-fetched to me that they're just like... Oh, yeah, we're just going to buy this house, move in for 28 days, make up all this shit, and then move to the other side of the country. Right. So a lot of people think that they made it up because for money or whatever. But also, whenever they moved in, you know, they they obviously weren't expecting anything paranormal to happen. And going public with something like this is like a big deal. Yeah. You know? Like you be judged by everyone. Oh yeah, everyone's everyone's gonna say that it's fake and that it's wrong, and and it very well could be they could have just made it up for the money, but also they didn't know when they told everybody about this stuff happening, they didn't know how much it would blow up, right. how it would become this its entire movie franchise, and they also don't make a lot of money from the movie franchise. And how can she know all this stuff about the order in which right? they were killed and all of that stuff? Right? Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, there's just too many weird things, like with the secret room in the house. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, no. Anyways, I don't know. It's, it's very controversial on whether people think it's real or not. Because there's a lot of things to say, well, she, how could she have known that, you know? But also, some of the friends and family of them have said, oh, we think it's a hoax, too. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're just total so, bullshitters? Maybe, but I also, don't they don't make a lot from the movie franchises. Right. Yeah. And they even, before the movies came out... Maybe, I don't know if it was before the movies came out, but at some point, someone wrote a book and interviewed them and listened to all of their tapes and everything, like got their permission and yeah. they signed stuff and whatever. And they don't make a lot of profit from the book either. They they really don't make a lot of profit from any of it. Hmm. And in, in interviews, they say, we just, we don't want to deal with it anymore. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to, you know, that's that. Yeah. So, since the popularity of the Amityville Horror House started, a lot of people have 
been flocking to the house just to see it, just yeah. to get a, get a little peek. And because of this, you get the disrespectful visitors who mm. leave beer cans and fast food and cigarette butts just all over the place. Yeah. And of course, because it's like a horror spooky thing, a lot of people show up in the middle of the night and wake up the owners. <sighs> the owners even said one day they woke up, walked out onto their front porch, and there was a pile of human feces. What the fuck? Why? Guys, don't poop on people's porches. That's disgusting. I don't know. That is absolutely fucking disgusting. Like, people fucking live there, you know? So the owners of the house have kind of, like, teamed up with <sighs> the police because of yeah. all this. And As they should. The police are... The police are fairly on top of it. I don't know if they were... I, I don't know. But the police have been patrolling. Yeah. And one family actually had to change the address of the house. Oh, just really? Just to keep people away. Huh. And it didn't really work. But some officials have thought... Have pitched the idea of doing tours through the house. And making money off of it. But the owners and a lot of other people shot down the idea pretty quick, just out of respect for the DeFeo family and the people who live there now. Yeah. So as of right now, you cannot visit the house. You shouldn't visit you the shouldn't. house. Yes. And it is a private residence. So guys, don't do that. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. I know. I'm going to have to watch the movies. I mean, I was thinking that, but then At I was like, first I still one. don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Although, you know, it was, it did come out in the 70s, so it can't be like that realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if I believe, I don't know if I believe that it happened or not. Yeah. I'm leaning more towards I think that it did, but I also think things could have been very much exaggerated, you know? Like maybe they, maybe some things were real and some things they just made up. Who really knows? Yeah. Who knows? Not me. Well, thank All you. Right. That, that was that the was, Amityville that, Horror House. That was a ride. You're welcome. <laughs> or maybe I should say I'm sorry. <laughs> or both. You know, it's fine. Or both. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, uh, like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you would like to get our bonuses, you can go to patreon.com slash roadside. You can do that, or you can also follow us at TikTok at Roadside Podcast. Instagram at Roadside Pod. Facebook at Roadside Podcast. YouTube at Roadside Pod. And you can go to our website at roadsidepodcast.com and find all of our fun stuffs. And you can email us at roadsidepod at gmail.com. Sweet. Awesome. We love you all. We do. Keep finding the thrill and the mysterious and all of that jazz. Mwah. Bye. Bye.